What's up, everybody? <clears throat> we back at it again. So we uh, about to get into some current events. Start with this one right now. All right. <clears throat> cop arrests exotic. <clears throat> sorry, cop arrests Brooklyn man in murder of exotic dancer, 25, on her way home from a second job at New York City IHOP. Career criminal suspect is the father of one of her three kids. It's sad, man. It's sad. A Brooklyn man was arrested for the murder of mother of three, an exotic dancer, on her way home from her second job at IHOP. Clarkson Wilson, 44, father of one of Amani Armstrong's children, was taken into custody on Saturday after a 25-year-old was fatally shot in the head on a street corner near Union Square early. Thursday morning, New York Post New York Post reports police said she had been work she had been coming home from work at IHOP at Gramercy Park when a man opened fire with officials yet to uncover a motive. Along with murder charges, Wilson, who has more than twenty arrests on his rap sheet, was charged with two counts of criminal possession of a weapon. Crazy, Unreal. Unreal. Sources told the Post that Wilson had at least four complaints against him for alleged domestic violence going back to 2014, but it remains unclear if any of the complaints were made by Armstrong. One report in April 2021 saw a woman accuse Wilson of choking her during an argument. Another complaint in September 2014 was filed by Wilson's ex-wife, sources told the Post, who claimed he choked her and pushed her into the wall after grabbing her phone. Police said the investigation was ongoing as they questioned Wilson over the murder of Armstrong. Police respond to a 911 call at approximately 5 a.m. on Thursday, found the victim unconscious with a bullet to her head. The NYPD crime scene unit quickly erected a tent to shield the body from onlookers near the corner of East 14th Street and Irving Place. A street vendor named Manny told the Post he was cooking when he heard a loud boom. I said, oh, ish, what was that? I thought it was a car or a truck that crashed. I ran outside and I saw the lady on the sidewalk, he said. He claimed he did not hear any commotion prior to the shooting. It was the second killing in New York's 13th precinct in two days as Jamal Burton, a 38-year-old man from East New York, was stabbed to death near Chelsea. Burton reportedly got into an argument with his killer, which turned into an altercation leading to the other man stabbing Burton in the chest, repeatedly killing him. While the shootings and murders have dipped slightly, major crime in NYC has surged 36% over the last year. So, things like... This man was a pimp, as well as other sources have said. And, uh... This man has also had charges of the fact that he slashed a woman's face. All right. He's also a, tra uh, a trafficker. <clears throat> so 
getting with these type of men is going to be a problem. All right. Unfortunately, she met up with this dude, ended up having a kid with him, and it went downhill from there. All right, you can see her Instagram pictures, you know, tattoos, pink hair. She was once married to a woman that didn't end well. A lot of these women choose this type of lifestyle, exotic dancer, and you're going to attract certain types of men. Unfortunately, three kids are gonna grow are gonna grow up without a mother. Alright. And a lot of a lot of women don't understand the choices you make can have consequences. Alright. Choices in men, choices in occupation. It's a sad situation. It really is. All right. On to the next story. Guess what we're going to be talking about now? BLM. Yep. BLM. Black Lives Matter leaders accused of pilfering 10 million from the organization by local chapters who say he used it like a personal piggy bank in explosive lawsuit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Black people still giving money to this organization, man. It's sad. What's it going to take for um, some black people to understand that this organization is not your friend? Okay. It doesn't care about you. It just cares how they can get money off of you. That's basically it. How can they milk the black community? And this is why blacks with sense, with leadership, are leaving the black community, are going elsewhere, taking their skills and going elsewhere. Because they see. They don't, they're not taken seriously, but parasites like Black Lives Matter, trained Marxists, are taken seriously, even though they don't mean any good for the black community, and they exploit the deaths of blacks killed at the hands of police. Okay? A prominent leader in the Black Lives Matter movement has been accused of stealing more than $10 million from the group in an explosive lawsuit filed by the organization's Organizers in the movement Shaloma Bowers A board member of the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation BLM GNF Was accused of using the, Using the group as a personal piggy bank In the suit filed in thurs, filed, filed Thursday In Los Angeles The lawsuit filed by Black Lives Matter Grassroots offers few specifics about the alleged theft of funds, but illuminates the growing fractures in the movement that took in more than 90 million in donations in 2020. In a lengthy statement, Black Lives Matter Global Network 
board furiously denounced the allegations as harmful, divisive, and false, and accused Black Lives Matter groups, grassroots leaders of lining their own pockets with 10,000 monthly stipends rather than supporting local groups and families. Oh, boy. BLM GFN is the national fundraising arm of the movement, distributing money to local groups through Black Lives Matter grassroots, which operates as an umbrella group of many chapters. Each side in dispute is accusing the other of damaging the Black Lives Matter movement and acting as a tool of white supremacy. BLM GNF has been under financial scrutiny for some time, and disclosures in May revealed that the group has splashed out $6 million for Los Angeles mansion and $6.3 million on another 10,000 square foot property in Toronto. Concerns over fiscal issues also led to the resignation of co-founder Patrice Cullors, who denied any wrongdoing. Cullors did admit that the group was ill-prepared to handle the tsunami of donations that poured in as it shot to international prominence following the May 2020 murder of George Floyd. Bowers, the board member named in the new lawsuit, was brought on by Colors in 2020 to help raise money and oversee its distribution as one of the three board members has had a key oversight role in oversight role since her recognition last year. The lawsuit calls Bowers a rogue administrator and middleman turned usurper whose own con- consulting firm was paid two million by BLM GNF in 2020. While Black Lives Matter leaders and movement workers were on the street risking their lives, Mr. Bowers remained in a cushy office's devices, devising a scheme of fraud and misrepresentation to break the implied in fact, in fact contract between donors and Black Lives Matter, the lawsuit states. At a press conference on Thursday, Black Lives Matter grassroots leader Melina Abdullah slammed BLM GNF, saying the group has lost touch with the foundations of the movement. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation has taken away from the people who built it, she said. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is now led by a highly paid consultant who paid himself upward of $2 million in a single year. Black Lives Matter Network Foundation fired back, saying that Abdullah and Black Lives Matter grassroots were falling victim to the character logic and social violence that fuels the legal system. The statement added that they would rather take the same steps of our white oppressors and utilize the criminal legal system, which is propped up by white supremacy, the same system they say they want to dismantle to solve movement disputes. In May, the Black Lives Matter Foundation, Foundation Network filed its first public financial disclosure, a 63-page Form 990 reporting that it took in 90 million in donations in 2020. It ended its fiscal last fiscal year from July 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021, with nearly 42 million in net assets. The foundation had an operating budget of about 4 million, a board member told the Associated Press at the time. The tax filing shows that nearly 6 million was spent on Los Angeles area compound the studios the property which includes a home which with six bedrooms and bathrooms a swimming pool a sound stage and office space was intended as a campus for a black artist fellowship and is currently used for that purpose board member said 
It was the Black Lives Matter Foundation's first public accounting of its finances since incorporating it in 2017. As a fledgling nonprofit, it had been under the fiscal sponsorship of a well-established charity and wasn't required to publicly disclose its I'm sorry, financials until it became an independent 501c3 nonprofit in December of 2020. So there you have it. A lot of nonsense going on, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of um, clown behavior. But once again, you really can't blame Black Lives Matter, you know, grassroots or Black Lives Matter foundational network because black people are funding this foolishness. Okay, not all blacks. But the liberal blacks who think this group is for them when it's really for themselves. Okay. They're relying their pockets and doing what they feel they want to do with the money. I mean, you have good black leaders out there, but the problem is they're not going to be taken seriously by um, the liberal blacks within Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> within the black community all right because they want uh, someone with charisma they want somebody that's gonna uh feel sorry for drug dealers they want somebody that's gonna feel sorry for people who normally get themselves killed at the hands of police you know somebody like rayshard brooks okay and plenty others corn gains all right They're not for backing people like uh, Fannie Willis, okay, or King Randall. People who actually care about the black community, all right? People who actually see that the black community needs to be protected and to do better. But you see, the thing is, those people I just mentioned, Fannie Willis and King Randall, they understand that structure has to be put in place and laws have to be abided by. And they have to understand punishment has to be dished out to blacks who refuse to obey the law and want to terrorize the black community. Okay? That's the issue. And until that is fixed, more con men with black skin and con women as well with black skin are going to come in and just sell fake dreams to the black community. The low-income black community, that is. That's the issue here. Alright? So let's talk about these uh, 25 arrests and gang-related crimes. Let's, let's get into that. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. Five. Not five, Chicago 
police announcing a major gang drug bust just before the Labor Day weekend. WGN's Jenna Barnes is live at the 10th District Police Station with our details now. Jenna? Ray and Micah, police say they moved in and made arrests in three major gang investigations this week because Chicago typically sees increased violence on holiday weekends and they wanted to get ahead of that. This weekend, police arrested 25 people, seized nine vehicles and two guns, and more than $100,000 worth of cocaine, more than $80,000 worth of heroin, and about 130 grand in cash. These three undercover investigations have been going on for months, one of them for more than a year, targeting gangs on the west side, specifically in the Little Village, Austin, and Pilsen communities, where Superintendent David Brown says drugs are often sold out in the open. Brown says of the 25 arrests, only three suspects were held without bond and remain in jail. The rest were given minimal bonds, he says, and were back out on the streets. That is sad. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. All right, only three are staying in jail and others are back out on the streets. All that hard work for nothing. 25 arrests, only three suspects held without bond. Sad man. Within hours. These are dangerous people, and this took our officers doing dangerous work, risking their lives for someone uh, that the judges didn't see as a danger to the community, and we differ with that opinion. He is calling for tougher consequences for people accused in drug conspiracies. We did reach out to the chief judge's office for a response to his critique. And a spokeswoman says judges are not allowed to comment on pending cases. We're live on the West Side. What a joke, man. What a joke. <clears throat> and those cops who are probably undercover, now they probably have to quit the force and go somewhere else. Okay? Chicago, man. Chicago. You know, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of this city. Sad, man. People are going to have to learn to protect themselves, drive these drug dealers out their neighborhoods. Cops don't can't really do their jobs. <clears throat> they can't. And it's just a sad situation all around. And cops are gonna cops already are quitting. That's another thing. That's a scary thing too. They already are quitting. Check this story out right here. On sex trafficking, the sex trade, and what Cook County is doing to help the victims. It's a complicated problem that, for a lot of reasons, is difficult for law enforcement to address and enforce. But as we found out on a recent sting operation, that's not stopping efforts to fight it. The county's even using survivors to intervene. Rob, why don't you just take them down right here? This might look like a traffic stop, but the driver just left a brothel. Cook County Sheriff's officers have been watching. And what Sergeant Timothy Hannigan and his team really want is information. How to get in, what do you got to do when you get in, who do you pay, what do you got to pay, is there any secret word, is there a secret text message you got to send while you to get in there? I'm with them. Simple. They talk to you, these guys you pull over? Oh yeah, they talk to us. 
They tell you everything. Yeah, usually they're nervous and then they don't want to get caught up with their wives. They want to be really talk to them. <laughs> oh man. Sucks. You've been watching this place for two and a half weeks. Correct. You know for sure what's going on in there. Yes, sir. The next step is to shut the brothel down. That operation is just moments away, and we'll take you inside as it happens. But before that, this is the first one for you. Yeah. Nervous? No. Pamela Nicole Dukes is along for the raid. She joined the county's special victims unit in January. What is it about this that drew you to this job? Um, there are a number of things that drew me to this job. Again, um, I'm, I'm, I keep no secrets. I am a, I am a survivor, domestic violence, human trafficking, um, and that kind of made me say yes to the job. All right, time for it. For Dukes, it's personal. She's on the support side of the team, stepping in to offer services to the women being trafficked, basically to rescue them. So, like, they don't have passports. Their passports are taken away or they are being threatened in some way, shape, form, or another. This isn't something they can just walk away from? Um, most times, no, it's not. Because there's something tied to their liability or the liability of the people that they love. More than a dozen officers are involved in the raid. There he is. An undercover officer goes in first to finalize the transaction in person. You see that I have to ring the doorbell. The door is open for you to see if you see why do you have to wait for him to make the deal? Hasn't the deal already been made online? You don't know who's behind that message. Remember that, because it will become an issue. All right, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's go. inside everything's okay there are two women one starts to cry as the officer talks with her. it's okay are you speak english no do you understand a little english a little bit okay you're not in trouble okay you're not in trouble no trouble okay trouble the officer spells it out using her phone to translate that went about as well yeah for you for some guys out there they th think that you know prostitution should be legalized i think you should think again because you don't know who you are sleeping with who you're paying to sleep with and you may end up getting caught up like this it's not worth it it just isn't okay this stuff getting caught up like this is simp behavior well as it could have yeah very well so as soon as we open a door uh, there was a side door that I had officers over a standby. So as soon as we opened the door, the, two, the male and the female, the doorman and one of the females took off. The team takes all four people in for questioning. But what seems like a textbook case, weeks later, takes a twist. The Cook County State's Attorney's Office says it needs more information before bringing charges. This is one, as the former prosecutor, I can just tell you, I'm befuddled as to why we didn't get charges. That's the basic question. How do you take a brothel down and no one gets prosecuted? I don't have any explanation whatsoever. The explanations I've been given so far, none of them make any sense. Since 2017, the county says its vice unit has taken down 15 brothels. 18 people were charged. Six were convicted of promoting prostitution. 
three are awaiting trial, and nine, or half of them, had charges dismissed. This case, everything was there. There's no, like, well, we're missing this and this. No, we have real victims. We have people we took in custody at the scene. We have people who are identifying them, and there are roles involved with this. So there's no missing element of this. With the raid over, this is where the work begins for Pamela Nicole Dukes, offering support to the two women inside. Neither will face charges. Both were able to leave for their home states. It's an example of the county's focus with trafficking and the sex trade, helping the women get out. The Chicago Alliance Against Sexual Exploitation would like to see more of that from Chicago police. Case has tracked prosecutors. Uh, it, this is money. Money's involved. That's why they're not getting prosecuted. The higher ups are getting some type of uh, advantage of this. They're getting something out of this, and it's money. That's what it is. It's money. Prostitution related arrests over time, and one study found in 2017. Nearly 91% of arrests were for selling offenses. In other words, the women. What, do you have clothes in there? <laughs> the county is trying to address that. It created a victim support services unit last year and has already helped 136 victims obtain services and support. And that's so heartening to us. Yeah, sure, it's not this macro thing where we've ended it all. This No, but we have these little success stories that keep reminding us why we do this. I don't think that... Dukes told us one victim said to her, no one out here is worrying or caring about us. Dukes told her, we beg to differ. The fact is, everyone on that detail knows, as you just heard, the work continues. Mm, so those numbers, 90% of who they go after, it's the sellers. And right. here they're not even getting those who are orchestrating the brothels. No, so what not. about John's? Were there even any on site? There, there was. Interesting story. We were waiting for the raid to go down <coughs> in the gas station parking lot across the street, and a man parked next to us. And we all sort of looked at him. He got out of the car, walked in front of the car, and we thought he had made us. Mm. Our photographer was in the front seat with his big camera. The county official was driving. He gave us a double take and then continued to turn the, the corner and walk down the street. The county official got out of the car to see what he was going to do. He went in, still, after even seeing us. Simp behavior, man. The desperation. The thirst. The thirst, man. That's what I see. Just the thirst. Ah, oh, man. Y'all better start thinking twice about trying to get this easy way of getting... Uh, sex from women It's not worth it Guys are just gonna have to just Learn to step your game up Improve yourself Cause th this right here is getting cracked down And you're gonna get exposed It's not worth it You lose your job You know It isn't worth it It really isn't all right. Now the next one is going to be dealing with the Bronx and what a woman had to go through. Living in the Bronx, renting in the Bronx.
A Bronx woman is recovering tonight after she fell through her apartment's bathroom floor straight down into the building's basement. It's an accident that tenants there say could very well have happened to them. CBS 2's Kevin Rincon has more from the Highbridge section of the Bronx. And Jessica, the apartment where this happened is now off limits after the building's department issued a vacate order. It's looking to question the landlord. On Sunday morning, a woman inside this apartment building on Shakespeare Avenue fell through her bathroom floor down into the basement. The building's department says the collapse was caused by a lack of proper maintenance. As she was taken away on this ambulance, neighbors came out concerned for their own safety. I feel afraid because I have my son, my wife, and I don't want the ceiling to fall on the top of our head. So, you know, I want, I need the city to do something, please. He says he's complained for years to the landlord, but claims nothing has ever changed. We've been telling him, you know, please help us, you know, help the, the tenants, but they don't want to do nothing. Now, look what happened. The bathroom collapsed and the lady fall to the basement, so she's in the hospital. We reached out to ownership, but didn't hear back. They'll now be tasked with hiring an engineer to investigate what went wrong. Many here say the list of things that need fixing is long. When it rains, my apartment, it feels like it's raining in my house. So. This tenant who didn't want to be identified showed us her bathroom ceiling, which looks in disrepair. She also shared videos of rainwater pouring through the hallways. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. I mean, they're trying to do what they have to do, but they really need professional people in the building. We were invited into several other homes, observed doors that wouldn't lock, this sink that was broken, shower tiles barely hanging on from leaks behind the wall. She says they pay rent and these issues have to be resolved. And Jessica, the landlord was issued a summons, and it's the hope of so many of the tenants I heard from here tonight that this is a catalyst for change. In the Bronx, Kevin Rincon, CBS 2 News. The Bronx is a, uh, uh, how, do, how do I put this? It's, it's the ghetto multiplied. Let's put it that way. All right. That, that, that is the Bronx. The Bronx is the ghetto multiplied. There's a lot of crime in the Bronx. Uh, what is it? Mental illness. All right. A lot of things that, you know, needs a lot of work. The Bronx needs a lot of work. That's basically what I could tell you. All right. It's a place where you are, if you have to live there, uh, good luck. That's what I could tell you. Good luck. Because you're gonna have to deal with a lot. You may have to deal with criminals. Um, you have to work late at night. Um, watch your back. There's a lot of things you're gonna have to deal with if you work, if you live and work in the Bronx. Okay. It really is a terrible place. They got some nice places, but uh, it's it's terrible. <laughs> if you could afford to get to not live in the Bronx, do so. That's what I could tell you. All right.
It really isn't worth it. it truly isn't. All right, next story. Second. Yeah. This right here is very is very scary for New York. Extremely scary for New York. All right. Nearly 2,000 NYPD cops quitting before getting full pensions, a 71% jump from 2021. All right. Like I said, people are going to have to learn to defend themselves. They're going to have to learn to uh, learn to protect themselves, learn to self-defense because cops are having a shortage and the response time is slow. All right. People have told me about it. The response time is slow. Things could be happening and they ask you all these ridiculous questions and you're just trying to stay alive that is the issue the NYPD is still hemorrhaging is still <clears throat> hemorrhaging cops ever growing exodus figures show 2465 police officers have filed to leave the department this year 42% more than the 1,731 who exploited at the same time, who exited at the same time last year, according to the latest pension fund stats obtained by the Post. More disturbing is the fact that the number of cops hanging up their holsters before reaching 20 years for a full pension has skyrocketed 71% this year from the year before, 1,098 from 641. NYPD Police Benevolent Association Patrick Lynch said the so-called voluntary quits are driving the stampede and not a big academy class that graduated in 2022, as claimed last month by Chief of Department Kenneth Corey. We have, we have had retired waves caused by large academy classes before. There were nothing like this, Lynch said. This exodus is a result of cops in the prime of their careers deciding they've had enough. The NYPD should stop trying to explain this staffing crisis away, admit there's a problem, and help us fix it, he said. In June, the Post reported that more than 1,500 officers had either resigned or retired. Officers usually work 20 years or more to collect the full pension, which can equate to 50% of their final three years' average salary. Being New York's finest has lost its luster for many of the rank and file who have endured anti-cop hostility, bail reform, rising crime, and the city's vaccine mandate. Currently on pause. Ticked off members are taking all their civil service tests and heading to police departments in Long Island and other suburbs or out of state or joining the better paying Port Authority PD. They are leaving for other opportunities where they are paid better, treated better, and have a better quality of life, Lynch said. Dave, who asked that his last name not be used, was a 30-year-old Queens cop when he quit this summer to take a private sector gig after only seven years on the job. He said he was fed up with the oppressive work environment. 
There's a whole bunch of things that they have to quit. A whole bunch of stuff that they have to quit. One, start paying start paying these cops better pay. You ask them to risk their lives. Start making better pay. And um, start cutting down on sexual harassment in the police department. You have to cut down on a lot of stuff. Okay. So many issues with the NYPD police department. Sexual assaults, bribes, prostitution. It's crazy. As soon as I left, I felt a huge weight off my shoulders, he said. And the sad part is that the job doesn't need to be this way. I hear it all the time from friends who went to other police departments. They say they treated me like an adult there. That's it, really. NYPD don't want to change. Okay? They don't want to fix the issues, so people are leaving. Even when it comes... It's not just NYPD either, you know? When it came to the Rayshard Brooks situation, when they arrested those two cops that, you know... They did their job with Rayshard Brooks. They weren't brutal with him. They did. They treated him with respect. Okay? And when the Atlanta mayor decide to screw over those two cops, that's when police, the police in that state decided to quit. All right? A lot of issues. Corruption. Not willing to get rid of incompetent leaders. All right? Who do things that are worthy of getting the you know getting told you need to resign like miss bottoms she had to go because those cops didn't deserve to go to prison she needed to defend those cops and she didn't all right and that is why those cops left People are not going to take that crap, man. That they're risking their lives to do a job. To protect their city. Especially the city of New York. Alright. Like I said, people are going to have to learn to defend themselves. And, uh... Because the cops are few in number now. And these animals on the street... They know they're not gonna get, um, not gonna get arrested. People are gonna follow that no snitching rule. Okay. Bail reform is ridiculous now. Cops are gonna be let right back on the street. So you're gonna have to learn to defend yourself because NYPD is falling apart. That is the issue. Basically the issue here Alright so Let's hear what's going on with the Biden administration Alright Biden White House officials And multiple federal agencies Coordinated with big tech to censor Americans And cover up government crimes Not only did the Federal Bureau of Investigations, FBI, coordinate with Mark Zuckerberg to censor reports on the Biden family crimes 
in the lead up of the 2020 election, but the pre-appointed Biden regime also coordinated with Facebook and Twitter to censor individuals who posted about crimes committed by the CDC. According to the newly released internet internal emails from Facebook and Twitter, the Biden regime coordinated with big tech to restrict the speech of individual Americans. The blatant violation of the First Amendment was uncovered by Attorney Generals Eric Schmidt and Jeffrey Laundrie. These revelations prove that the Biden regime is also a fascist government in the violation of the U.S. Constitution. More than one federal agency reached out to the Facebook and Twitter employees instructing the social media giants to flag specific information as misinformation. This vast censorship enterprise included at least 45 identified federal employees, the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, NIAID, um, NIAID the Centers for Disease Control, Health and Human Services, HSS, U.S. Election Assistance Commission and Office of Surgeon General. <clears throat> uh, what's up, Facebook user? I can only see you as Facebook user. I can't see your name. <clears throat> all right, moving on. We're all involved. These agencies repeatedly pressured Facebook and Twitter to censor specific topics that even directed the platforms to suppress speech using official government-approved narratives. We have already received a number of documents that clearly prove that the federal government has an incestuous relationship with social media companies and clearly coordinate to censor freedom of speech, but we are not done, said Smith in a joint statement. The Department of Justice is cowering behind executive privilege and has refused to turn over communications between the highest-ranking Biden administration officials and social media companies. That's why yesterday we asked the court to compel the Department of Justice to produce those records. We're just getting started. Okay. The CDC's official coordinated monthly meetings with Facebook employees to deploy debunking strategies. Facebook employees waited for official CDC narratives to be crafted before they went ahead and censored Americans with the debunking strategy. This is some crazy stuff, man. <clears throat> All right. But, I, you know, this has already been said that uh, the administration was paying social media, even, even paying social media influencers, okay, to say what they wanted them to say to influence the masses. This is how dirty it's getting. This is the war on the common folk. Okay. They're really trying hard to crush free speech with massive censorship. And it's only going to anger the common people. They're going to find their information elsewhere. And those content creators who are selling out for the almighty dollar are going to pay for it in the end, one way or the other. Okay? That's how it's going to go down when it comes to that. Because people are not going to take that anymore. Okay, they're not going to take being lied to. They're not going to take a lot of things. And sooner or later, okay, the NWO, the New World Order, they're going to have to, um, they're going to have to act like Hitler. That's basically what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to go full Hitler in order to control the masses. And that's when... I hope 
you know, people are are prepared for that. I really do. Because this is this is not a game. Alright, this is real life. This is what we are all gonna be going through. We're going to go through a Nazi German me um like era. Alright? And they're going to sniff they're going to hunt down people who are dissenters. Okay? That is what's going to happen. A lot of you all think this is a game. That's what's going to happen. If you're talking about something they don't like, they're going to break into your home. And then they'll drag you to these FEMA camps. That's what's going to happen. Everybody thinks it's a game. I was just talking about in my last video stream about they have Azov Battalion. No Nazis participating in um, sports games in Disneyland. Known white supremacist on American soil. Who are with Azov Battalion. And we are accepting more Ukrainian refugees. And they are set and they are having parades supporting Azov. White supremacy. I'm telling you, we're going to, we're getting set up for that. It's the only thing we're missing is uh, Hitler. It's going back to those days. But enough of me ranting. Let's get into this story right here. About arsenic levels in the tap water. Let's get into that one. Saturday evening to all of you. I'm Mike Marza. Joe and Sandra have the night off. We'll have those stories in just a moment. But first up tonight at 11, the discovery of dangerous levels of arsenic in tap water in Manhattan. More than 2,500 people living in a NYCHA complex in the East Village have been told not to drink their water or cook with the water from their taps. The city decided to start testing after residents complained about cloudy water. Tenants tell us this has been a problem that has been going on for months. Eyewitness News reporter Sonia Rincon with this story. The residents of the Jacob Reese houses are filling up their carts tonight with free cases of water. To cook or to drink, I prefer, you know, if they keep giving water, that would be good. After getting these flyers telling them not to drink or cook with water from the faucet due to levels of arsenic higher than EPA standards consider safe. And some residents have noticed something is off. It doesn't smell right. It's like, um, it's like, um, cloudy, like cloudy water. Another resident shared this video and photos of cloudy looking water. The mayor's office says NYCHA started testing the water last month here at the Lower East Side complex, home to more than 3,000 people, after reports of the water looking unusual and discovered the high levels, saying while there doesn't seem to be a connection between arsenic and cloudy water, 
It has since taken action to provide safe water while doing more testing to find the source. As residents worry. A lot of people that's drinking it, they're giving it to their kids. And a lot of people get affected from that, and that's not right. My thing is, like, you guys can't boil the water? You can't think to yourselves to boil the water? Yeah, man. I'll say it again. You got to be careful who you uh, get with because these people sometimes who live in these types of environments, they don't think about those things, about boiling water, um, getting a filter. You got to be careful. Righteous staff have been going to apartments and running the water to flush out the pipes, which may make the situation look even worse. The water is uh, like a brown, everything brown. Brown. Today, the Manhattan Borough president tweeted that no arsenic contamination has been found in the surrounding neighborhood. The mayor has been stopping by the Reese houses to assure residents the city is working on this, trying to keep them safe. And residents are asking the city. Hurry up and clean the water up for everybody to be back to normal. Neither the DEP nor NYCHA have said what might have caused the high levels, but residents wonder if all the construction here could have anything to do with it. The work being done here at the Reese houses is a direct result of the flooding after Hurricane Sandy, meant to protect residents from, of all things, water. Like I said, you can't really depend on the city for everything. You definitely can't depend on Eric Adams to do anything. So they're going to have to invest in some water filters. That's what they're going to have to do. Okay. Another thing also is like you got to move out of the projects. Okay. These projects are only meant for, you know, only meant for short term. Okay. You can't live in these things full term. A lot of them don't understand that because they've been living in that for their their whole lives living in these places coffee shop gets robbed craziness right here craziness here we go group of people sitting outside at a Queens coffee shop robbed at gunpoint in broad daylight. Yeah, Fox 5, Stephanie Bertini live outside the under pressure espresso bar in Astoria where this terrifying incident took place. Steph. It's the kind of thing you almost got to see to believe right out here on this sidewalk in front of the coffee shop where it all happened. A big gun and two guys went up to two men who clearly were not expecting this type of thing. This is video from a nearby surveillance camera. Police say the male victims were approached by these two men who pulled up on a motorcycle. One pointed the weapon, as you can see in the video, and police say they demanded the victim victims hand over their property. Now, according to people who were out here, everybody taken by surprise by this kind of thing, people who frequent the coffee shop, the under pressure espresso bar here on 31st Street in Astoria, totally shocked still. I was shocked. I was I was scared to come here, but I love this place. Like I love coffee here and I love service here, but I was really surprised like what, what happened? I was like who is that guy? 
This happened on Wednesday around 3.15, according to police. Right now, police still looking for the two responsible. I'm reporting live in Astoria. I'm Stephanie Bertini. They ain't going to get caught. I doubt they will get caught. As you can see, people are getting bolder. All right. They're not caring. They're not, they don't have a care in the world. They're just running up on high-end places to just rob them. And cops, there's a shortage. So what could they do? You call them up and you say, that I've been robbed. They're going to ask you a bunch of questions. How tall is he? Um... Uh, what's his build Everything like that You're still traumatized They can't get down there And get all that information Okay I'm telling you man The, <laughs> the, the police are going to become Are just becoming a joke More and more Alright It is what it is, man. It is what it is. When it comes down to this. Can't even go. That's that's the thing, too. You can't even go outside. You can't even go and have a, a bagel, coffee in New York these days. You got to be careful where where you go to to eat. Because you never know who's going to run up on you and try to rob you. That's just how it's going now. All right. Let's talk about uh, Taiwan now. <clears throat> Let's see what's going on with them. shift in Taiwan's approach. Until now, they exercised restraint. When Chinese missiles flew over Taiwan, it did not respond militarily. Until now. But that's not the case anymore. So why did Taiwan soldiers fire shots this time? And does this raise the threat of conflict? In Gravitas tonight, we'll analyze the situation, starting with China's latest provocation. Unmanned drones are threatening Taiwan. At least six drones have been spotted in the last two days. Three yesterday, and three more today. They were seen in the islands of Dadan, Erdan, and Xiu. These are, in fact, islets controlled by Taiwan. They're just a few kilometers away from the Chinese city of Xiamen. What kind of drones were these? Civilian drones, the kind that you can easily buy off the internet. There is no reason to believe that these drones were weaponized. So why is this a big deal? Because they came from China and they entered Taiwan's airspace, and this is technically an incursion. 
So Taiwan chose to respond militarily. And here's something that you should know. These islets are far away from Taiwan, but it maintains a military presence here. When the Chinese drones came, Taiwanese soldiers fired warning flares first. Then they used bullets. And this action forced the drones to leave. They were seen flying towards Xiamen. And this was not their first such mission. China has stepped up drone activity in the recent past. Taiwan says this is part of what we call China's gray zone tactics, meaning you operate in the space between war and peace, in the gray zone. Your actions do not amount to a conventional war, but you also make sure that there's no peace. That's what we call gray zone tactics, and this is a Chinese speciality. Let me show you a new video. It is doing the rounds on Chinese social media. It claims to show Taiwanese soldiers throwing stones at what looks like a drone. Take a look at this. not been able to verify the authenticity of this video, but Taipei is taking such provocations very seriously. The question is, why should Taiwan worry about unarmed civilian drones? To answer this question, I must go back to China's gray zone tactics. You see, they're about setting precedents, establishing a new normal. That's what China does. This new normal then paves the way for larger incursions. So here is Taiwan's worry. Today, it is civilian unarmed drones if left unchallenged, tomorrow it could be bigger military drones. They could enter Taiwan's airspace and fly over Taiwanese military installations. So Taipei is trying to prevent that, and that's what explains their latest response. Firstly, our armed forces will maintain the principle of the closer the incursions are to Taiwan, the stronger our countermeasures will be. We will use naval and air forces and coastal firepower to dispel the PLA aircraft and ships that enter our territorial seas and airspace. Also, when the PLA aircraft and ships are within our 12 nautical mile or 22.2 kilometer territorial sea and airspace, we will counterattack in accordance with operational orders to exercise the right of self-defense. So Taiwan is drawing clear red lines for China. The closer the PLA gets, the stronger Taiwan's response will be. If Chinese ships and planes enter Taiwan's territory, the Taiwanese forces will mobilize. If they come within 22 kilometers of Taiwan, Taipei will exercise its right of self-defense. And this statement echoes what Taiwan's president said yesterday, Tsai Ing-wen. She visited a military base, and this is what she told the troops. I want to tell you that the more provocative the enemy is, the more calm we need to be. We will not allow those on the opposing banks to manufacture a conflict with an inappropriate excuse. We will not provoke disputes and we will not restrain ourselves. But it does not mean that we will not fight back. I have ordered the Ministry of Defense to take necessary and strong countermeasures in due course to safeguard the security of the national airspace. Taiwan is preparing to fight back and it has America's backing. Joe Biden wants to arm Taiwanese soldiers. The U.S. is working on a new weapons deal. A deal worth more... Have they learned not from Ukraine? Why are you trying to back Taiwan? Leave Taiwan alone. Like I said, though, but hey... He's trying to start a war. That's what it is. War is big business. Let's just, let's not, uh, 
be ignorant of that. War is big business. Democrats and Republicans stand to gain a lot from war. More than $1 billion. What will Taipei get as part of this package? 60 Harpoon Block Missiles, 6-0, worth $355 million. 100 Tactical Air-to-Air Missiles for almost $86 million. And a $655 million contract extension for surveillance radar. Now, this is the biggest such transfer in almost two years. We have people starving. I just showed you how people having problem with their water in Manhattan. Mississippi, Flint, Michigan, yet we feel we should aid Taiwan. Yeah, all right. Is this a done deal? Well, almost. It is awaiting approval by the U.S. Congress. Now, what's in it for the U.S.? It stands to gain both politically and economically. Politically, it's a way to deter China. Economically, it's more money for the U.S. defense industry, so it's a win-win for America. For Taiwan, of course, it means more and better weapons. This is part of a new strategy. You see, Taiwan, like the rest of the world, has been following the war in Ukraine. It's been carefully studying the tactics of the Ukrainian military. And it's applying the... You really want to study the tactics of the Ukrainian military? When the Ukrainian military doesn't even have the resources for their troops? They don't... Everything given to Ukraine gets stolen, okay, by either the higher-ups or the people that's supposed to be trusted to give it to them. I've said before, they have to go to battle in their own cars. If they have to check out, uh, see tanks coming, they got to peep their head up to see if a tank is coming, risking getting their head blown off or their head crushed by a tank. They don't even have proper weapons, and you want to study the Ukrainian people. Yeah, man. Yeah. Those lessons already. Taiwan is building stockpiles of American weapons. It is acquiring the same weapons that Ukraine is using, like precision rockets. Ukraine is using these rockets, precision rockets, to hit Russian supply lines. Taiwan wants them too. It is buying at least 860 precision rockets from the U.S. The purchase has not gone unnoticed in Beijing. Today, China threatened to take, quote-unquote, strong measures. China has always been firmly opposed to any official contacts between the U.S. and Taiwan in any form and under any name. We urge the relevant parties in the U.S. to abide by the One China Principle and the provisions of the three joint communiques stop any form of official contacts with Taiwan and refrain from sending wrong signals to the Taiwan Independence Force. China will take strong measures to resolutely safeguard national sovereignty and territorial integrity. So that's what we have. The U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. It sparked a geopolitical firestorm. China held large-scale military exercises. It sent fighter jets towards Taiwan. It launched missiles. And now it is deploying drones. Taiwan is firing back as it arms itself with American weapons. So it's no exaggeration when you say that the threat of war here is greater than ever before. Look, I, I, I say the same thing for Ukraine, man. Give up. Just give up, all right? Surrender. Give up. You're not winning. 
you're not winning. Okay, you can't side with Russia because Russia is partnered with China. You can't side with even Africa. Africa's partnered with Russia. Give up. You're not going to win this war. You're not going to win. You're a mini Ukraine. You want to try and... Man. Okay, so this is from The Guardian. All right. Tensions that are already high between China and Taiwan rose yet again earlier this week following the downing of a drone set by Beijing's military into Taiwan's territorial waters. The incursion took place near the inset of of China's coast as the Taiwanese military fired upon the reported unarmed civilian drone. Beijing's, which claims Taiwan as its own against the objections of the Taipei government, has held military exercises around the island since early last month in reaction to a visit to Taipei by the U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi also noted Taiwan's government has said it will not provoke or escalate tensions but has been particularly angered recently by repeated cases of Chinese drones buzzing buzzing islands controlled by Taiwan close to the China's coast. The outlet went on to point out that the defense command for a group of Taiwan-controlled islands, Kinmen, that sit opposite of China, Chinese cities, Xiamen and Zhaoyu, noted in a statement put out by the country's defense ministry that the drone entered highly restricted airspace over Leon Inset shortly after noon local time on Tuesday. Troops stationed there attempted to warn the drone off but did not respond, so they were ordered to shoot it down. The remains of the drone landed into the ocean and according to reports, likely not recovered. It was the first time that Taiwan even fired warning shots at a drone. The shots came after Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen ordered her country's military to initiate strong countermeasures against China's provocative moves. All right. Further noted, speaking in speaking to the armed forces earlier on Thursday, Tsai said China was continuing to use drone intrusions and other gray zone tactics try to try to intimidate Taiwan. Her office cited her saying her, cited her as saying in a statement. Tsai again emphasized that Taiwan would not provoke disputes, but that did not mean it would not take countermeasures, the statement added. She also ordered the Ministry of National Defense to take necessary and strong countermeasures in a timely manner to defend national security, it said. Earlier Thursday, Lin Wen Huang, Deputy Chief of the General Staff for Taiwan's Armed Forces, told reporters in a press briefing, for aircraft and ships that entered our sea and air territory of 12 nautical miles, the National Army will exercise its right to self-defense and counterattack without exception. This is just the beginning of China's escalation in gray zone activity, which is defined as aggressive tactics short of outright kinetic warfare. This marks for the first time shots have been fired during the current period of elevated tensions between China and Taiwan says analysis by private intelligence firm Ford Observer regarding 
the incident. China had previously dismissed Taiwan's claims of harassment and provocations as nothing to make a fuss about. Ex expect China to continue to escalate tensions with Taiwan by increasing the frequency and severity of its incursions into Taiwanese territory, potentially resulting in counterattacks by Taiwan and leading to full-scale armed conflict. Meanwhile, the report noted in a separate item, Indonesia is also facing territorial crisis in its exclusive economic zone, the EZ, in North Nautana Sea from China as that country falls victim up to Beijing's Belt and Road Initiative, which is just a, a debt trap. China has been conducting regular incursions into Indonesian waters that China says are its own, are its own under its nine-line territorial claim, ruled invalid by the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. The claim encompasses nearly 90% of the South China Sea. China has routinely conducted illegal fishing in Indonesia's WEZ patrolled the waters with its Coast Guard and maritime militia fleets, and even conducted seafloor mapping for future resource exploitation, the report continued. You see how disrespectful China can be? I'm sorry to say, but uh, China's going to get Taiwan. The Indonesian government appears hesitant to confront the encroachments as its leadership and wealthy industrial class derive significant economic benefits from business with China, it added. China's newfound aggression is directly linked to the fact that America now has a dementia, <laughs> dementia patient as a president. Oh, man. Uh, uh, it's hilarious, man. It's hilarious. But uh, it... China is going to get Taiwan. I'm sorry. It's just like that. It's like that abusive spouse that knows all the rules, all the laws. And Taiwan is trying to be that wife, trying to escape China. But China knows all the rules, knows he's bigger than you. He's stronger than you. Got more resources than you. Um, knows whoever you go to. They're nothing compared to them. It's... I'm sorry, it's just a nasty situation that Taiwan is not going to win. Okay? China is stalking you, you know, at your business, at your job. China's there. Okay, you're driving home. China's driving right behind you. China, China, China. China is on your neck. You're not going to win. Stop looking at Ukraine. You're going to lose. Ukraine is only a matter of time with Ukraine. The nonsense going on, the, the the antics of their president, they're going to lose. Not even the soldiers like Zelensky. Why would you want to even try to copy their tactics of a country that doesn't even, the military doesn't even like its leader? His people are, his people are dying in war, okay? And he's taking photo shoots. You really want to follow somebody like that? That's all I got to say, man. I just, I look at it as just like, damn, just damn, damn, damn. You don't have a prayer. That's it. Okay. China's not playing, man. China's not playing. 
Like I, I did say, and I and I, and I did say, you know, um, China is that abusive. It's like that abusive uh, stalker boyfriend. You broke up with him, ex boyfriend, ex husband, and uh, he knows you're weak. He knows you can't really defend yourself, and you got USA trying to come in there, trying to say, "I'll protect you, Taiwan." Taiwan and and China's looking at you. Listen, you you don't want to get hurt, okay? You owe me money. Stop it. Just stop it. Don't get hurt out here, okay? And and that's what's that's basically what it's like. Don't believe me? Let's see what the Chinese president got to say. All talk radio live in four K. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi landed in Taipei on August 2nd. The visit immediately led to a rise in tensions across the Taiwan Strait. Even an already frosty U.S.-China relations stopped to a new low. The unending row continues to take new heights a month after the controversial visit took place. In the latest, China has issued a stern warning to the United States. This time, Beijing is furious of our sale of arms package to Taiwan, reacting sharply to the developments, Chinese embassy in the United States said, and I quote, China will resolutely take legitimate and necessary countermeasures in line to the developments of the situation. End of quote. The U.S. State Department approved a $1.1 billion potential sale of military equipment to Taiwan. The package includes 60 anti-ship missiles, 100 air-to-air missiles, along with sidewinder missiles used for air-to-air and surface attack missions. Upon anti-ship missiles in a bridge to boost Taiwan's defenses, the latest arms sales is in line with the United States commitment to defend Taiwan. U.S. President has time and again reiterated Washington's commitment to defend Taiwan from a Chinese military incursion. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's a commitment we made. That's a commitment we made. We are not, look, here's the situation. We agree with a one China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. It'll dislocate the entire region, and be another action similar to what happened in in uh, in Ukraine. The U.S. arms sales announcement follows unprecedented Chinese aggression around Taiwan. Enraged over Pelosi's visit, China launched unprecedented drills. Its rockets landed near the Taiwanese coast. Chinese fighter jets flew close to the Taiwanese airspace, while ships of Chinese Navy practiced war drills, which Taipei feared were a precursor to an invasion. Taiwan's approach towards the incursions have also changed significantly. Earlier this week, Taiwan's military fired warning shots for the first time at an intruding Chinese drone near Kinmen Island. In the past couple of weeks, the Taiwanese leadership has repeatedly reminded the world that the island is ready to defend itself, even if it means taking strong countermeasures. We 
，我们不会让对岸有不当的借口来制造冲突，我们不会挑起战端，我们自我克制，但不表示我们不会反制。China, on the other hand, has repeatedly asserted Taiwan as its own territory and blames the United States and secessionist forces on the island for disturbing peace in the region. Reacting to the Kinmen Island episode, here's what the Chinese Foreign Ministry had to say. Now, with a greater geopolitical context in mind, we now come to the pressing questions which the latest developments raise. Number one, how seriously should the United States take the Chinese threats? Taiwan has remained one of the most sensitive issues when it comes to China. The second question is, if China were to attack, will Taiwan be able to defend itself? Given its relatively small military and resources, China's takeover is not unimaginable. Taiwan is also on a similar defending position. Its president has recently reminded her people of the 1958 conflict with China, where Taiwanese military frustrated Chinese efforts to capture its islands. Six to four years ago, Chinese military tried to capture the islands of Kidman and Matsu. Listen in to what President Tsai had to say. The third question is about the role of the United States, as Chinese Foreign Ministry recently pointed out, is the United States using Taiwan as a money generator? After all, it's the U.S. defense industry that is going to gain if U.S. keeps arming Taiwan. At least the latest $1.1 billion potential arms sales points in this direction. That's the thing. All right, um, you want to do business with them, you know, you got to find some other way around this because going to war is not good. In Taiwan and joining us now is Paul Huang, who is a senior journalist and a research fellow at Taiwanese Public Opinion Foundation. Hi, Paul, and welcome to Weon. The Biden administration has once or has announced a more than 1.1 billion arms sale to Taiwan as the U.S.-China tensions escalate. Over the status of the island, what's your view on America's action despite China warning the United States? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, well, I think that everyone uh, who have been observing the historical trend knows that China always opposes any U.S. arms sales to Taiwan, no matter the, the substance, no matter the amount of the packages. Every time is they, they, they vehemently opposes it uh, at least re uh, rhetorically uh, in terms of actual uh, reactions, uh, actual retaliation uh, that depends on the circumstances. But we could expect them to uh, make a fuss about it. 
uh, no matter what is being sold. Uh, and this particular arm sale that was just announced, uh, $1 billion, includes anti-share missile, air-to-air -air missiles, and some upgrades to Taiwan's radar systems. Um, characteristically, they were not uh, revolutionary or uh, exceptional to any uh, to any extent. Uh, they were just upgrade to Taiwan's existing capacities. Um, so I don't expect China to perceive this as a huge step uh, beyond what the uh, what the United States has already been selling Taiwan. Paul, let me ask you this. If the arms sale goes ahead, do you think Beijing can impose further sanctions on Taipei? Right. Well, first, uh, in terms of sanctions, what we have seen in the past uh, several years, uh, Beijing, uh, they seem to have been experimenting with a new thing, which is a sanction against U.S. companies, uh, U.S. arms manufacturers, uh, they, that, that, that manufactured these arms of Taiwan. Uh, but those, these sanctions were uh, had, had dubious effect because these arm manufacturers, they don't, they don't sell to China anyway. Uh, although they are some subcontractors of these U.S. companies, they could get sanctioned as a result. Now, as for Taiwan, Beijing could uh, intensify some of its um, actions against Taiwan already, such as adding more lit or adding more product, especially agriculture product, to its uh, its, its list of banned items, um, banning the import of Taiwanese agriculture products. And that's going to hurt Taiwanese farmers. Um, also, that you know, the economic value of the of those products, the sanctions that have been that, that the, uh, the the ban they have been implemented so far, it's only a tiny percentage, a tiny fraction of the trade between China and Taiwan. Uh, so again, the if they announce more. I don't expect them to be much larger than uh, or more substantive than, 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 was, than, we, than we have seen so far. Paul, let's talk about the possible ramifications. With Taiwan arming itself, do you think this will heighten the threat of an invasion by China on the self-ruled island? Well, if anything, it's China that has been building up, modernizing, expanding its military. Um, non-stop for the last decade, two decades even. Uh, the is China that has been increasing its military spending, building out its People's Liberation Army in terms of quality and quantitative, uh, in, in, in an amazing speed that that Taiwan really just could not catch up. Uh, it's, it's this growth in China's military capacity that is actually destabilizing security situation across the strait. Um, tai what Taiwan's been buying from the U.S., not even tiny, it's, it's, it's a tiny fraction of what China's been building every year. Right. It's, it's, it's not even enough. Uh, and if anything, Taiwan, the, 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 what, what Taiwan is buying right now, um, the question is, is it too late? Is it too little? That what Taiwan is doing, what Taiwan is buying. Uh, in fact, if even if Taiwan buys more, by far more than what it's already buying, there is still doubt over 
how much like how much these equipment can do to Taiwan's defenses, because the the serious issue that have been identified so far about Taiwan's military and its defenses, like and mostly institutional and structural, such as Taiwan military's readiness, its preparedness, its strategy, its logistic personnel training, those things you cannot cannot be sold by having more U.S. equipment. Uh, those have to be committed by Taiwan's uh, leadership and Taiwan's uh, ultimately Taiwan's voters because Taiwan's a democracy. Uh, but that remains to be seen if Taiwan will take these steps to get serious about its defense. Um, that that to that 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 ultimately is what can um, slow down these growing imbalance military imbalance across the strait that's making the situation is so dangerous. All right, we'll have to leave this discussion there. I've been talking to Paul Huang. So as you can see, you know, no matter how they, the Taiwanese try to build up their military forces, they're, no, they're in no condition to go to war with China. China has more landmass, more of a population, You know, okay, it's kind of like this, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, six foot, they call him the Austrian Oak, building his muscles, more muscle mass everywhere, abs built, built like a tank. You got Franco Colombo, short, okay? Arnold represents China. Franco Colombo, Franco Colombo represents Taiwan. Okay, as much as Franco Colombo can build muscle, he is in no way com in comparison to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. All right, and that's how it is. That's that's the military might. Okay. That's that's just it. It's 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 a. It, it, that's why I said Tai Taiwan. Just just give up. Just give up. So that's what I have to say about that. All right. Last one for now. Fortunately, this is going to get ugly. As many Americans are depending on this right now. to feed their stomachs. Our talk radio live in 4K. Here we go. Our continuing Money Watch series on the uncertain economy, we've seen how inflation is forcing many Americans to tighten their budgets. Some families, higher food prices have left them wondering how they will afford their next meal. And that's left an increasing number of people turning to their local food bank. I spent some time at one community center in Baltimore and witnessed how essential they are to their clients and some of the challenges they're facing. Here's a bag for you to put your items in. Even before the truck is fully unloaded, clients begin lining up to receive food at the community center, The Door, in Baltimore. How many of you have six? You can, you can get six today. The director of The Door, Tema Smith-Wilson, estimates that of the 100 people she sees in a day, about 600 mouths are fed. 
people coming through and they're just not getting for their families, but they might have a sister or a brother that they're getting a little bit extra for. We have a lot of freezers and refrigerators, but we never need to use them other than storing meats. <laughs> After our distribution days, we never had anything extra. What's over here? Crystal Jenkins is cooking for five people, including her youngest son, who's nine years old. I feel blessed when I can come back with something and, and help me. They're not hungry. That's all I'm saying. They're not the going to be hungry. That's right. The price of food has outpaced most other items that have been subject to high inflation. Food prices have jumped 13.1%, the biggest one-year increase since 1979. So you got two bags at the food pantry today at the door, and you got one bag at the grocery store for $20. How long will this food last you? Because you're feeding five people. Yes, something like three days. That's what I'm counting on. And then I'll be back at the pantries again, again. For people dealing with food insecurity, the anxiety can be staggering. Amon Rotheden, a single mother of two boys, has seen her income as a food server decrease as food costs rise. So I told my kid that um, we have to save more money and then I even have to go to the grocery in the early morning, like 6, 7 in the morning to get the cheap meat because they on sale cheap meat from yesterday, from the day before. A and lot of energy is going into trying to figure out how to save and still provide for your family. Exactly. Yes, a lot everything in my brain, like, okay, what are I going to do today? What are I going to cook? The problem is compounded. As more people are asking for help, resources are becoming even more scarce. We used to get 700 boxes to distribute to our organization, to the people in our community, and to other organizations. Right now, it's 100. You went from 700 to 100? Yes, to 100. But the number of people you're serving is increasing, yes. But you can't complain, because something is better than nothing. Jerry Branch used to run a food bank, but the funding dried up, and so did his income. As a senior citizen, he now finds himself a client in the food line. Was it hard for you to go to the other side of the table? No, not really, because people that I dealt with, you know, was, was just as equal or better than I was. I've never looked at it to, to down anyone. Or, mm -hmm. I, I just never looked at it that way. Are your Social Security checks enough? No. Because <laughs> they're not keeping up with inflation. No, no, right? no. The rising cost of food forcing tough choices. Do you always have enough food? Yes, I pretty much always stand to the um, the door. I always have enough food. Before that, we struggling. When you were struggling to try and find food bank options for your family, did you go hungry? Yeah, I go hungry, but I feel like, thank God, I met this. I met the door before I get very, very hungry. Thank God, I still work for the restaurant, so at least I get one meal to take home with me. As long as they're full, I'm fine. Lana Zach, CBS News, Baltimore. This is sad, man. This is sad. And in my neck of the woods, I see people lined up for food banks. And I'm glad that, you know, they're getting their food. People are, you know... Because it's, it's disheartening... To see so many people having to do this, but they gotta do what they gotta do. Okay, I I'll look up a um, an article 
about how people are even I mean it's bad man it is bad people are even turning to eating how do I put this in a in a way how do I put this people are turning into zombies in a way meaning they're in certain countries to deal with this they are even turning to yeah you guessed it I'm not even gonna say it if you have you know what I'm saying man people are eating taboo delicacies let me put it that way I'll look up the article and maybe I'll I'll, I'll uh, put it into a live stream but this is all I got all right hope you guys are well informed and um, shout out to kid organic So I'm on the live stream Okay, later Like, share, comment, and subscribe Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box Like, share, comment, and subscribe Later